Welcome to Swift Unscripted. These Swift podcasts give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear the inside unscripted story and be part of the conversations about All Means All with leaders in the field of inclusive education and school-wide transformation. Here we are in Kansas City, Missouri at SWIFT's National Leadership Consortium meeting where we've gathered together all of our state partners, leaders in the field of inclusive education, policymakers, our program officers to help us move the vision of all means all forward. And today we have uh, Rory Harms, our technical support. Our guest today is Barb Trader. Barb is the director of TASH, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself first and tell us what TASH is. Well, hi, Mary. It's good to be with you today. Um, As you said, my name's Barb Trader. I am in my 39th year of my career as in the disability world, and um, as the executive director of TASH, I have the distinct pleasure and honor of working with some of the nation's most forward-thinking professionals on what we mean by inclusion entirely. Um, Inclusion in school, inclusion at work, inclusion in communities, and um, TASH is a 40-year we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. Now, let me interrupt you for a okay. moment, Barb. Have you been with TASH for 39 years? 39 of oh. its 40 years? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I started my career as a recreation therapist um, working in Georgia. Um, I spent some time working in public schools, in parks and recreation, and in spinal cord injury rehab. Uh-huh. And um, at one point was very active in the international Paralympic sports movement and was part of the senior management team for the Paralympic Games in Atlanta, which was a great opportunity. And after that, came to Washington, D.C. and worked. So how long have you been with TASH? I've been with TASH for 10 years. Wow, okay, okay. So, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about TASH and what it does as an organization? It's a national organization, yes. Yes, well, it's it has international members. So oh, that's right. Yes, Tash started in uh, forty years ago in nineteen seventy-five, the same year that IDEA passed, which is well, that's significant. Not in, inconsequential. And um, our earliest members, our founders, were researchers that worked in state institutions, and were doing education research on people that at that point were labeled severe and profoundly disabled. Wow. So you're located in Washington, D.C., your main office, and then you have chapters around the country? Yes, we have. And around the world. We don't have chapters around the world yet, but we have a lot of members around the world. And we have chapters that are interested, um, people interested in starting chapters in several countries. Um, We have... 15 chapters in the United States that cover 20 states, Um, and we have some chapters that are extremely active and very well known, and we have some chapters that are just getting off the ground. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what is TASH's history with inclusive education? So I like to think that we may have been the founders of the term inclusive education. Um, When IDEA first passed, there was a concern that students with the most significant impact of disabilities were going to be left out of the vision of IDEA. And IDEA stands for? The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
So when IDEA was passed, um, our founding members wanted to make sure that um, students with the most significant impact of disability were included in the promise of IDEA, and to us that meant inclusive education. And how do you define inclusive education? <laughs> and how does TASH define inclusive education? Well, we have a long written out definition. Yes. and um, Which we can find on your website. Yes, which is right on our website. It means really meaningful participation in school life, in the general education classroom, at, um, at the age-appropriate grade, in the neighborhood school that the students, brothers and sisters go to, where they have real opportunity for learning in the general ed environment, and that they have real relationships within the school day, that they're not separated out as mm-hmm, special mm-hmm. or different, or that, and that their needs are met in that environment. Mm-hmm. So the school they would attend if they didn't have a disability, and with the support they need to be successful. That's right. Got it. Got it. And... Um, You mentioned the founding members of TASH. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, who were those founding members? I mean, you don't have to, well, you can tell me their names, but (laughs) like who, as as individuals, you know, were they professionals, parents, people with disabilities? The founding members of TASH were education researchers. Okay. And um, they were all doing research. They were all university faculty members. Um, Are the three people that, People turn to most as, and identify most as being our founders are Lou Brown from the University of Wisconsin, Norris Herring from the University of Oregon, and Wayne Saylor from the University of Kansas. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that kind of brings us to, um, to Swift. I mean, those are a couple of names that we hear on a regular basis. Right. I mean, Wayne Saylor, of course, is the, is the director of the Swift Center, and he, he refers to Lou Brown on a regular basis. So... How, um, tell me about how the relationship between TASH and the SWIFT Center, how did that emerge? So civic education is really, really a cornerstone of what TASH stands for. We believe it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for all students, but also for society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were an early partner from the very earliest days and are now the policy team. Okay, so TASH serves as the policy team for the SWIFT Center. And That's right. what does that role entail? Well, policy is one of the five domains of um, the SWIFT Center, the integrated policy framework. And so our role is to identify what policy barriers exist to build capacity at the school level and at the district level and at the state level to see policy as a driver for change, um, to feel for people to feel empowered to work within policy as a um, facilitator of change and a um, sustainer of change over time. We find that um, a lot of systems change that's happened over the years has been has hinged on um, a charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. When that charismatic mm-hmm. leader goes away, the commitment to inclusive practices goes away unless you put the structure and the frameworks in place. Mm-hmm. And so our role in the structures and the framework is to make sure that policy is aligned so with SWIFT so that um, the practices that SWIFT promotes can remain over time. Got it, got it. Um, 
so can you give us an example of, you know, one of the barriers that that Tash and Swift and others have identified as, you know, being one of the biggest obstacles from for all students attending their neighborhood school and general education classrooms? There are several. <laughs> um, we've actually identified six major areas of policy where barriers exist okay. or where facilitation... That sounds overwhelming. Yeah, where facilitation can really happen. I'll give you a simple example. Okay. Um, discipline policies can have a lot to do with how well a district responds to a student's behavioral needs. And in school districts where they have very strict and harsh disciplinary practices that don't necessarily take into account what's going on in a student's life or what kinds of supports individual students might need or how to look at behavior as a way to identify a child who's at risk and needs additional support, but rather those students in some districts are expelled or suspended and their needs are not addressed. Right, right. And we certainly know from the research that suspension and expulsion doesn't do anything for anybody. It doesn't no. improve outcomes for kids, doesn't improve behavior, right. doesn't improve teachers' ability to be better teachers and supporters for all students. It just remind. hold on, it just reminded me, Barb, that Tash, <laughs> Tash has had a leading role on a really important initiative, and I think that, um, let me see if I get the name right, is it the Stop Hurting Kids campaign? Yes. It, ending restraint and seclusion in our public schools. You've been right. working on a campaign to develop policies around that issue for a few years now. Right. Um, it was all started with the Appraise Coalition, the Alliance for the Prevention of Restraint, Aversive Interventions, okay. and Seclusion, and that started in 2004. Okay. Because... Feels like it's cre it's gotten a lot of momentum in yeah, the last few years. Yeah. There's 32 national nonprofits now involved in that okay. work, and um, I think we're making real headway. And what we're finding is that people don't appreciate how much behavior is a form of communication. Oh, absolutely. And then when that mindset changes and school teachers understand that it's that behavior could be a cry for help instead of a something that needs to be punished, mm -hmm. then things can mm -hmm. change. So um, you just described that as a barrier to school discipline policies. Have in um, what kind of I guess uh, Policy work or recommendations? Are you, are you? What are you working on with SWIFT to address that barrier around discipline uh -huh. or any? Well, our model is pretty much the same. Um, we're we've identified barriers that are shared, and we started seeing this when we first developed the knowledge development sites and saw some of the things that they'd done to create systems change. So, so we've been able to see. Um, what those schools did, and we wrote um, some briefs around those policy issues to show what the research says, what best practices tell us, and how specific schools have changed policies to better support what we say is necessary in a SWIFT school. Excellent. And, and Barb, I know that you and your policy team have published a number of briefs on mm -hmm. policy issues related to inclusive education. And those uh, those briefs can all be found at the swiftschools.org site and also on the 
what's your the Tash's website address? Tash.org. Swiftschools.org and Tash.org. Mm-hmm. Either one of those, you can um, find the briefs that are really accessible and available to help schools develop their own practices to support right. all students. So one of the most exciting elements of our work and that's starting to roll out right now is we're analyzing state policy. Uh-huh in all five states that we're in. So SWIFT, the SWIFT Center, currently is working in five states, correct? Can you name the states? Sure, the states are Vermont, New Hampshire, Maryland, Oregon, and Mississippi. Okay. So we've looked at state policies and um, compared them with how well they support um, the five domains and 10 core features and the practices that we expect to happen within those. And we've identified what's a barrier and what's a facilitator of SWIFT. We've even looked at um, uh, labor contracts wow. and um, interagency agreements mm-hmm. and things of that nature mm-hmm. and made recommendations to states about what things could change and what might facilitate both um, implementation of SWIFT, but also replication and sustainability. Right, right, right. That's exciting. Um, in terms of inclusive education and the movement in our country, what do you see as sort of our biggest opportunities right now to create lasting change where all students are being educated in their homeschools and in general education classrooms with support? Um, I think... One of the most exciting things that we found through the knowledge development sites, but we also see in other places throughout the country, is that when teachers become adept at teaching students with the most significant impact of disability or other challenges, they become better teachers overall. And so I I think that's a really exciting message to share about the fact that education equity can really happen if teachers' skills Mm -hmm. develop Mm -hmm. around students who learn differently. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that's not well known. I think we have to be very loud and proud about that, particularly now that we're really focused on college and career-ready standards, Mm -hmm. which I also think is a great opportunity to that whole national movement to create real equity across all students um, with a focus on adulthood. Mm-hmm. We're really preparing kids to be adults, so let's make use of our 12 years that we have with them and aim for that goal rather than the stuff that we've been doing so far. Um, well, I don't want to take you take up too much more of your time from your attendance at the National Leadership Consortium. Uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on at that meeting, and I appreciate your time us uh, sneaking you away <laughs> to participate in this podcast. Uh, so if you want to know more about inclusive education policy and the work of TASH and SWIFT, again, just go to our website, swiftschools.org or tash.org. And at SWIFT Schools, you can click on SWIFT Talk, where TASH has a number of blog posts on policy issues. We also, again, go to the resource section and pull down the papers, disseminate them widely. Um, I want to add one more thing. Thank you. Please do. Sure thing. <laughs> I think um, the reason why we're... Barb, would you like to add anything else in a, as we close? <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason why our work is really exciting to me 
is because policy can really be the best friend of somebody who wants to change a system. And it can really, to be empowered around policy instead of feeling like it's the biggest thing in your way, it's been a real, it's been a sea change um, eye opener for so many people who are involved with SWIFT to to find out how much power they have in a policy. That is such an important message to close with. And I'm sure you must have some advice on how people can get involved with policy, whether it's getting connected to their school boards or their school leadership teams or, you know, how can the average, I don't know, well, nobody's average. We all know that. (laughs) How can teachers, parents, uh, students Students. Mm -hmm. get connected to the work, the policy work of SWIFT and TASH? I think the first place to start is to ask why. Why do we have to put up with this? Why does this have to be the way we do things? Why have we done this this way all this time when we think we can do it better this way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For people who have those questions, they should start asking them out loud. And then they need to begin to volunteer themselves to be part of the solution. It's not enough to admire the problem. In, in order to be involved in solution making, you have to be willing to work on solution making. So. Yeah. And, and I think also realizing that policies can change. Yes. So once you start yeah. asking those questions and right. looking at the answers, if you don't like the answer, right. then you can work, get organized and, and change the answer to right. support best practices, evidence-based practices. That's exactly right. Well, very exciting. Um, Barb, seriously, I appreciate your time this afternoon. And um, I just want to remind everyone that SWIFT is a national K-8 through center that provides academic and behavioral support to promote the learning and academic achievement of all students, including students with disabilities and those with the most extensive needs. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> And thank you, Mary. Yes, thank Thanks you for Barb. having me. No, this is great. Thank you, Barb. <laughs> You're welcome.